The Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of The Wine Monk. I'm here again with Mia and Zach, who you may remember from the Sand Reckoner Z podcast, where we Woo. determined that ah. Arizona Zinfandel is very similar to Lando Calrissian. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Hell's Half Acre from Passion Cellars. The winemaker was Jason DeMonico. I actually worked Whoa. for Passion Cellars, so I actually did help out with making this one. Sorry, say again? Nothing. We were fixing okay. the audio. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, we've, we've been having a lot of audio and visual troubles with this podcast, which actually is very reminiscent of the problems that went into the making of this wine. There's a reason why it's called Hell's Half Acre. It's not only named for a candy near Wilcox, but this was our problem child, and I'll tell you more about that later. So, let's pour ourselves some glasses. We, we already poured our wine, so unfortunately there's no um, delightful um, cork. cork noises or noise. us pouring our wine noises. So the Hell's Half Acre is a blend of six different varietals, mostly Viognier and French Columbard, with some Vermentino, Sauvignon Blanc, Grenache Blanc, and Pinot Grigio. Interesting. That's a lot of varietals. So yeah, a varietal, um, when we're talking about wines and grapes, a varietal is the grape that's used to make a wine. Um, for instance, Sauvignon Blanc is made from the varietal known as Sauvignon Blanc. When you get bunches of different varietals in there, you get a, what's called a blend. Technically, the Sand Reckoner Z we had last time was a blend too, but with... Uh, Rules of the wine industry, if a wine is 75% of a particular grape, you can call it that varietal. Um, in this case, since it's not 75% of anything, we went with a blend name. Like I said, the blend is Hell's Half Acre. When you say a blend name, does that mean you can just call it whatever you want? Whatever you want. Well, within reason. There are certain words for different styles of blends that are registered trademarks. For example, a Meritage is a Bordeaux blend, meaning it has certain Bordeaux grapes in the U.S. And that's a name that's actually registered and trademarked, so you can't use it without essentially contacting the Meritage Association or some sort of thing and being like, hey, we want to use this name for this blend because it fits these criteria. In this case, we went with just a fun name, denoting its status as our problem child. And as a problem child, it grew up quite nicely, as you guys have already tasted a little bit. Um, also, How long did it go to reform school for? Um, by reform school, I mean fat and oak barrels. Um, actually, this wine did not really see any oak. It saw a little bit of neutral French oak, but by and large, mostly stainless steel. It's a bl non-vintage blend. Some of the fruit is tw from 2013. Um, some of the fruit is 2012. And because it's two different vintages, you can't declare it a vintage. Oh, so it's all non-vintage. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's this wine has seen seen places, it seems. It's been places. It's a worldly wine. And speaking of being in reform school, it worked really well in reform school. It won second place in the People's Choice Award at the Festival nice. Reform fairly recently. So it's cool. all grown up. Congrats. It's grappy. It's grappy? It has everything now. Yeah. Making you money instead of leeching off of you. Like, you know, trust fund children or something? Oh, it moved out of your basement. <laughs> <laughs> So what are you guys getting on the nose of this wine? It's interesting. Um, I it's it's I'm I can't place it. I'm kind of surprised at how first... different this, the the nose is from the taste. Oh, completely. Actually, the very first thing that I thought when I stuck my nose in was chocolate, and then the scent faded, and I was like, well, maybe it's not chocolate. Maybe I just have to stick my schnoz in there more. But I I can't. It's a tiny bit sour. Feel free to jump in. 
hear more so, uh, more studied opinion, sir? Sour Patch candies? No, no. Well, I do get a lot of a, a sort of candy apple. There's something um, a apricot I... lemon thing. Yeah. I wish you're here with us, Cody. I made apple blueberry crumble. Oh my god, it's amazing. And mm. uh, well, this will probably go well with wine, and it does. I can't tell if that's masking my taste. Maybe I should stop eating it, but it's very hard to put down. Look for the uh, look in show notes for the uh, apple crumble recipe. <laughs> I can if you want. <laughs> and actually, I made it with rum, so I don't know if that's me blaspheming by eating something that I baked with rum and then drinking wine. Oh, you can pretty much... The rule of thumb is if you like something, you pair it with your wine. General rule of thumb. I mean, there are certain rules. With whites like this one... I like one, that rule. It's really easy to follow. With whites like this one, you want lighter foods, salads or fish or chicken. With um, light reds, you want medium meats like ham, pork, duck. So um, it's a versatile table wine. Yeah. This is, that's what I think it is. Yeah, I get a little bit of sort of a vanilla... Oh, it's a table wine. Huh? <laughs> Should I have your job, Cody? <laughs> what? <laughs> I said it It it's, It tastes like a table wine, and as, as you're talking, I turned the bottle around, and I noticed that you guys called it uh, or Arizona white table wine. Yep, that's so part you guys of the label. It. Yeah, I'm uh, just a savant, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just... Completely, yeah, just clairvoyant. And... It's all those years of grad school. Yeah, Yeah, good for something, right? Something of that sort. Wait, those are the classes you've been taking? Wine <laughs> drinking classes? <laughs> those were the extracurricular activities that I think we both did. I would totally, I would totally go back to if it was wine tasting school. My school at the University of Denver, where I go, it does actually have a, a hospitality school, and I... I've met, uh, I have fellow students in my program whose job is to go and show undergrads how to serve wine and how to taste things appropriately and how to serve like things. And, yeah, all of it. So, um, so I really I like wine. We, we started tangenting, though. I want to hear, why is this, a hell's, why is this a hell's Half Acre? What was the problems with it? Why was it a problem? So, pretty much everything from the very beginning up until when we blended it all together, almost anything that could go wrong did go wrong with it. So, first of all, 2013 was a very, very interesting year. A lot of grapes budded out early, about a month earlier than normal. So what that means is that the leaves basically came out early. And so in some places, they lost part of the crop before even the crop and flowers appeared because of frost. Yeah. There are two big problems in Arizona, and they're not the problems you think. The problems are, this is going to be touched on in a later podcast that I'm going to post with Michael Pierce, who is from Saculum Cellars and teaches at the college here. Cold and too wet. Namely, you get late frost here in April, and they're pretty big frosts. So, okay. you know, everything butted out early. Some of the places got a hard frost. Everything ripened early, so we weren't all 100% prepared for it. Then, uh, while we were getting it from the facility, the Pinot Grigio and Colombard started wild fermenting on its own on the back of the truck while we were taking it from the vineyard oh to my winery. So this is also partly wild fermented. Then lots of other technical problems occurred with it. Lots of SO2. So we had to run it through a series of processes to remove that SO2. Then that process lost some of the flavor. So we had to work to get that flavor back. And just whole strings of things. And at one point, Jason calls me. And he's complaining, going, this wine is driving me mad. It's our problem, child. I'm not really sure what to do with it, you know. And, you know, the way Jason works is he'll rant about... He's like me. He'll rant about something while his mind works and solves the problem. Right. So while he sounds like he's complaining and being and doing nothing, he's actually thinking really, really hard on how to fix these problems. Right, right. And at one point I, I interject and I'm like, 
you should call this wine the Hell's Half Acre because it's our, you know, wine from hell. It's the, the problem child. And he's like, that's actually a really good idea. I think we'll do that. Nice. So in the end, what we did is we did the base of Columbard and Pinot Grigio, and then we blended into it Viognier, uh, a Viognier Vermentino co-ferment, and a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc and Grenache Blanc, and that produced the wine that's here before you. So it has a lot of characteristics that are imparted from each grape, but if you know each grape really well, you can detect those on the nose, but especially on the palate. So uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about the palate of this particular wine. Um, okay. Not so. Did you just spill it everywhere? Me? No. Yeah, um, this would. Oh, this right? was, I just all of a sudden I just hear all this liquid pouring everywhere, and I was like, "Oh God, you, did you pour Hell's Half Acre on your computer?" No, no, I did not. Um, it's called. I'm, I think there is actually a technical word for it, but I call it mouth aeration, where basically you take the wine and then you sort of slurp and slurp air through, and what it does is it aerosolizes the wine in your mouth, so you're able to taste right. and smell it kind of at the same time, and it makes those flavors and notes on your palate um, stand out essentially. It's one of those things that, you know, wine people do to show off to their non-existent girlfriends. <laughs> just from here, it just sounded like uh, you just dropped the entire bottle of wine. Mm. The more I drink it, um, the more I drink it, the more I... It tastes a bit... I mean, did, I don't remember... Did you say there's Chardonnay in this at all? No. But the Chardonnay-like characteristics are going to be probably imparted mostly by the Viognier and oh. Columbard in the blend. Thinking that it has a taste kind of like Chardonnay. It does. It does kind of remind me of a stainless steel Chardonnay in a lot of ways, actually. Stainless steel Chardonnay? <laughs> but, you know, what what does that taste like to you? I mean, what fruit flavors or notes or spices are you getting on this wine? Gosh, the smell, it... I, I don't know how to place it. It just... It tastes so much, so much more different than it it smells. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, very surprising. Uh, surprisingly and, dissonant. Yeah, it's not, and I, I've already described it as as acerbic. It's, it smells. Rubbing alcohol makes this sound like this is a disgusting wine. It's not. It's absolutely delicious. But I don't know if it maybe has something to do with the fact that you apparently aged it in steel like barrels. steel barrels. Did you like steal this from Walter White or something? Like why why steel? The reason being is because steel allows you to get the fruit characteristics and floral notes of the grape without those being diluted or changed by oak. Because hmm. oak itself will impart flavors and tannins and that sort of thing, uh, depending on how much oak or how new the oak is. General thumb yeah. is try to age most of your whites in neutral barrels. The exception is a lot of people now are aging their Chardonnay in new oak barrels. For some reason, that particular taste profile has taken off. I mean, I admit I'm not terribly fond of heavily oak Chardonnay, but other people hmm. are. Um, when it comes to whites, I prefer mine to be either neutral French oak or maybe 10% new, Well, the idea being is that it's 10% new oak is that perhaps part of the barrel has been um, recoupered or that sort of thing, or partially retoasted, or it's been used once before rather than twice before, essentially, and so on. Hmm. Is there, so, like, like let's say I'm, I'm, how do you, what do you look for in the taste to tell whether it's a steel or a, a oak barrels? The big tell for me is vanilla. Really? So, if you I'm get guessing a lot it, of, yeah. The oak imparts, as part of the flavor profile, generally, at least with French oak, um, with American oak, it's a little bit more of a cedar note or a sandalwood note. Mm -hmm. But then you get some whites that naturally have that sandalwood note, and that's like Malvasia Bianca out here, which sometimes has that note, even though 
no one out here is aging Maldesia Bianca and Oak, and it would be almost considered heretical to do so, just because of its unique flavor and nose profile. But to get vanilla on the nose and on the palate, to me, generally, to me, says, okay, this wine was aged in some sort of oak. The more vanilla notes I get, the more new oak. At least for me, that's kind of how I categorize it. Other people, when they're tasting, have different uh, different notes on that. What are you guys tasting? Getting like a good kind of a, a tangy... Uh... Acidic sort of. Um, oh, I'm trying to place it. I mean this with all the love in the world. Uh, pledge. What? Really? Well, I mean it doesn't like taste like. Like a lemony zest. Yeah, yeah, the lemon zest. A zest. I, 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 orange, like an orange rind zest. I'm totally getting that. Yeah, no, but I'm. So, uh, and you're getting queens. So <laughs> that characteristic. Yeah. Is probably imparted in this blend from the Grenache Blanc. Okay. Um, so Grenache Blanc is a varietal from Spain. It's the essentially white version of Grenache, um, which is this Rhone and Spanish varietal. But it's known for having very citrusy-like notes, especially here in Arizona. So you're getting a lot of that from the Grenache Blanc in this blend, and a little bit of that from the Vermentino, too. I'm also getting the sort of fig and mango character, which is mostly the Viognier. A columbard is providing that mouthfeel. Um, so mouthfeel in a wine means essentially how it feels in your mouth. Is it sharp? Is it sour? Is it smooth? Is it not smooth? It's, is it rough? It's a little in a good way. It, it's smooth. It's very, it's, I mean, it's, it's very fruity. And it's uh, just kind of like the last one we did with you when we did the, uh, the Sand Reckoner. It, it's, it, it tastes like it could be versatile, and I think you just explained that it basically goes with almost everything on your dinner table. It's kind of a, it's kind of a nice surprise. I put it up to my face, and I take a gulp, and it's uh, not... It doesn't taste anything like the way it smells. It, I definitely taste the fruit. I definitely taste something, yeah, zesty, citrusy. Uh, the lemon, I also taste something very floral. Yes, and that's partly the Viognier and the Sauvignon Blanc in this blend. Sauvignon Blanc out here in Arizona tends to be more floral. It's not like those New Zealand Sauv Blancs where you get all of that mango and bright fruit. Out here, that fruit is mostly imparted by Viognier. <coughs> So I should probably talk about all the grapes in this a little bit, if that's all right with you guys, if you guys are interested. All right, this is... No, what, what do you mean this is a wine podcast? How dare you? How dare you talk about grapes? I'm, le I'm, I'm enjoying learning. Okay, so like I said... Um, it's a six-wine blend. So Sauvignon Blanc, a lot of you guys are all familiar with, um, grows originally in Bordeaux, France, also grows great in New Zealand. It's actually one of the parents of Cabernet Sauvignon. Then we have Viognier, which is a really quirky grape, mostly originally from the Rhone Valley, which is it's very popular there. It's usually done on its own, occasionally in blends. Vermentino comes from northern Italy. Uh, it's another white grape. Imparts a lot of the sharp fruit notes. Then you have Garnacha Blanca, Grenache Blanc, which I already mentioned. French Columbard is an interesting grape because normally in France, it's the main grape used to make brandy. But out here, it tends to produce this sort of very fruity, really luxurious mouthfeel white wine that you can use sort of as a blending grape out here to form the basis of your blend. So the two essentially major grapes in this blend, Viognier and French Columbard, both French, one's providing the mouthfeel, the other's providing some of the taste and aromatics. And the grape history of this wine in a nutshell. Huh. How did you guys kind of uh, decide which which wines to blend and everything? Was it kind of a trial? I mean, it, couldn't, it can't really be a trial and error process because there's no way to take it out. I would out, assume that you just uh, enough There experience. is a way to do a trial and error. It's basically what you do is you take 
samples of all the wines that you have yeah. um, in barrel or in tank, okay. um, which most people are, that's how you ferment whites in Arizona by and large. So what you do is you pour out like essentially a full glass worth of each wine. You take a pipette, you know, like a 10 millimeter containing pipette. So you pipe out like 10% of each grape or yeah. an even percentage. And then from there, you take notes and you look at that wine that you've blended together and you're like, okay, what does this need more of? What does it need less of? And so oh, by then you just, you have like 10 glasses on the table mm -hmm. and then you do different blend percentages that way. That's how you kind of nail down your percentage. And so you can kind of extrapolate from that glass. Okay, so when I'm bottling this, I want to mix 100% of this tank, which is the Pinot Grigio and Columbard, with you know, 30% of the Ver Vermentino and Viognier and 25% of this Grenache Blanc and let's throw in 10% of this Vermentino. I don't know the actual blend percentage of this mm -hmm. offhand, unfortunately. That's basically how you do it. And I was involved in the blending process for some of Passion Cellars Reds and this is what we did. We took samples from all the barrels. We took a pipette pipe, and poured just a little bit into a glass and then nailed down the percentages. And once we all agreed that something was great, then we were like, okay, then we're going to bottle it this way. Wow. And that involves basically blending it together in a tank that you're pumping from while you're bottling. And I don't know all the details that go into that because I have not really been privy to that particular part where you're bottling. I've only been on the end where you're just putting in bottles into the case boxes and getting ready to wrap them up. Hmm. Interesting. So, the, so I'm sorry, so you're saying that this was all separate uh, until you guys decided that it, it, it was kind of finished and then like you carefully, carefully met it out, uh, the, the previously agreed percentages into the, the uh, mixer? Yeah, essentially. Um, uh, the only things in this wine that were fermented together were the Vermentino and Viognier and the Pinot Grigio and French Columbard. Okay. That was, um, and so that's that was kind of your... The two that were blended together was kind of your base, I'm assuming? or The okay. base that we used was... Um, are Columbard and Pinot Grigio go ferment. And that was the, the base that was providing the problem child aspects, essentially. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, this is actually my favorite. Despite all the problems it gave us, this is actually my favorite wine that we have in terms of whites at the Passion Cellars Tasting. Period? Right Period. Wow. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite the distinction and honor. Uh, the wine thanks you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just drinking this and like, yep. I could put this on the table and eat it with salad and then a roast chicken and then dessert. It's kind of like the Willy Wonka wine, like the little little candy that... Uh, it's got the full course meal. The full course meal. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. The one that yeah. uh, like every meal, and this kind of tastes like that. I also see this going really well with fish. I see this going well with key lime pie for dessert because it's got a little bit of uh, hardness. The other thing I'm getting on the palate of this wine, and this is really cool to note and cool to talk about is you'll get that sort of limestone minerality on the finish. Very, very typical for whites coming from the Wilcox bench, which is where all these grapes are from. Interesting. And when, and when, you, when you say uh, limestone minerality, is that what was used to press the grapes, or, or what do you mean? No, that's just something that is prevalent in the Tawar in Wilcox in terms of whites. Um, so Tawar is essentially how the landscape affects the grapes and affects the tastes of the wines when it's done. And so right. when you look at the Tawar, it's some sort of set of flavors that are common across the board whatever wines you're drinking from that region. So for Wilcox, what I get in almost every single white wine, no matter the winemaker, no matter the grapes, with whites I always get this sort of limestone, earthy minerality on the finish Interesting. and on the okay. palate. 
I'm gonna, yeah, it does it's taste a, rather. I'm gonna drink this specifically looking for the limestone minerality. It's towards the fin the end of the finish, underneath all of the fruit. You have to hunt for it a little bit in this one, but it's there. In a lot of other Wilcox wines, it's very, very obvious and prominent. I don't know. I think I think I could taste it, but I also think that I just really want to taste it, and that may be what my brain is doing right now. It's really, Tuar is created by the combination of factors of like climate and weather and geology all work together to create what's, in a sense, if you want to be poetic about it, Tuar is wine's poetic way of saying this is where I'm from. That's hmm. um, one of the things that I'll make say an Arizona Viognier. Distinct from a Viognier from California, distinct from a Viognier from France, distinct from one from South Africa. Oh, it's really interesting. Is, is it one of those things where you like, you could essentially like tell where something was, where wine was made based off of the uh, Talar? Talar? Yes, you can. And there's this great scene in the documentary Psalm um, where yeah. you've got one of the guys that's training to be a master Psalm. He's drinking this Pinot Noir... And he nails it down to the wrong place, but it's a place that has very, very similar tawar to the Pinot that he's drinking. Which, again, that's, I think in the future, you know, a psalm would be able to taste this wine and go immediately, oh, this is from the Wilcox Bench in southeastern Arizona. But yeah, a really dedicated psalm can pick it out. And I can pick out Arizona tawar. Um, I can't really do it elsewhere, but I can drink an Arizona wine by and large, and without knowing what it is, I can tell where it's from, just because different places have different notes. <laughs> That's a cool, uh, cool skill. It's like a superpower. Yeah, superpower. It is. It's kind of a very lame superpower, admittedly. It's and, you know, it's not a superpower that you can really use to impress the ladies. Well, it's less lame than Spider-Man. You couldn't even upper crust superhero. <laughs> With your Tarar Terrar. Terrar, sorry. No, not Terrar. It's spelled T-E-R-R-O-Y-R. -R -R. And of course yeah. it comes from the French, so the French have dropped like multiple letters when it comes to pronunciation. What if this wine if this yep. wine was a person, who would it be? I think it, it goes with everything. It's uh it's pretty great. It's like it's got it's got a it's got a nice personality, but it's not uh, its not so forceful. It overwhelms everything. I'm thinking maybe like Natalie Portman, because she's an actress and she went to Harvard. <laughs> and was uh, Padme. And, and was in Star Wars. Oh, so look, it comes we, we come full, full circle. circle. <laughs> <laughs> full circle of life. Natalie Portman. So are we saying this wine is Padme then? If we're comparing all of the wine that I'm going to be drinking with you guys to Star Wars characters? Uh, I feel like it's kind of an R two D two because it's just good in every situation, even in okay. the even in the prequel. R two D two is super no, solid. No, 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 even better. It's the it's the anti Jar Jar. The anti Jar Jar. <laughs> no, it's the anti Jar Jar. He was That's terrible in every situation. Yeah. So, so this is good in every. This situation. is uh, this is good in every situation. Lisa liked this wine. <laughs> so R two D two. Be kind of great go-to wine. Yeah, it works. For frustrated nights you're making dinner. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to drink. This will do. Alright. I mean, the, the last <laughs> one was definitely a smooth talker. This one's a little bit more blunt. It is. It's like it's like this wine is like I, sh I cannot negotiate uh, uh, this blockade. It's the Humphrey Bogart of wine. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. Someday you're gonna drink me. <laughs> so, who who then in the Star Wars universe would this be like then? Is it still uh, R2D2? Or? I think we 
Well, this is R2-D2. I, I feel pretty good about her Padme reference. It's pretty solid. Oscar-winning Oscar uh, uh, actress Natalie Portman. Okay, so this wine is Padme. So I give this wine a grading of, of gold earrings because they're it's pretty sexy. I feel glorious when I wear it. I you know this is making me quite loose lipped. I uh, it really it's is. getting a high rating from me because yeah no it's uh, to keep drinking before all the uh, all the fun stuff. So thank you, thank you, passion sellers, and thank you, yeah, this is this is fantastic for Again. embarrassing me in front of my fiance. Like, we should just start maybe ending this soon because I'm getting a little loopy and <laughs> so I think like the last time we have gone to a dark place. Huh? This podcast has gone to a dark place. I know, that's really? probably why I should... But, you know, that's pretty appropriate. So to come full circle, you know, this, this was our review of Hell's Happy. Uh, it's bringing out the devil in us. Yes! <laughs> come, darling, let us go and draw pentagrams all over the apartment building. Oh, too dark. <laughs> <laughs> So, in conclusion, the House of Acre, a damned good wine for a hell of a good time. Wow, wow, wow. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a damn good wine. I like it. So, anyway, you guys can, so you guys can find the House of Acre uh, right now exclusively in the two tasting rooms at for Passion Cellars uh, here in Jerome, about, you know, 500 yards from my apartment, and uh, also the Wilcox tasting room in Wilcox, where it was made. However, soon we will be selling this wine at AJ's Fine Foods, um, so hmm. keep your eyes peeled down there, Phoenicians, for our wine in your favorite wine stores. Average cost is going to be about, about 30 bucks. Um, for a bottle of Hell's Half Acre. It's, a, it's a, good, a good price to pay for a good time. Absolutely. Yeah, look at me. When this podcast started, I was boring, but now I have friends because I'm drinking. <laughs> Responsibly. Awesome. Cody, well, thank so, you. This was a blast. Yes, well, it was. for drinking with me again. Um, and for sending it to us. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys needed some good some good engagement gifts, so I thought, oh, wine. That's what I do best. That's what I know. Fantastic. We need to get married more often. This <laughs> <laughs> is really good. So, or alternately, uh, come here on your honeymoon, and then we can do some of these together in person, which will be way too much fun. <laughs> yes. That'd be so nice. I'd love to have an a, like a, a wine theme. Uh, uh, honeymoon would be pretty awesome. I, th I thought you were going to say, doesn't that kind of go without saying? <laughs> no, we're wouldn't. an alcohol people. No, we wouldn't. We'd make your wedding dress out of wine bottles. No, thanks. <laughs> no, out of corks. Make it out of corks. Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound like it'd be fun to wear for hours on end. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. That would be pretty, pretty ridiculous. But anyway, guys, until next time, uh, this is Cody, the wine monk, and Zach and Mia. Uh, till next time, signing off. Peace. Happy, uh, uh, happy drinking. Happy drinking. To all. Happy drinking! To all. This good bottle night. of wine. Good, good evening. Goodbye. And so long. Farewell. I'll be